we're back with another episode of Conversations and Connections. Of course, we're the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the Prevention Coordinator for the agency, continuing our discussions in April, which is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Uh, we have Mallory Dotson with us. Uh, uh, Mallory, I always just I can always remember half of your title, which is the SFA <laughs> Advocate. But uh, for the record... What, uh, what exactly is your position here at the agency? So my official position is the Sexual Assault Services Coordinator, and then I'm also SFA's advocate. There you go. I'm going to ask you if you can't move the mic just a little bit closer to you on the table. Okay. There you go. Does That's, that work? Yeah, that'll be great. Cool. All right, so um, I guess one of the first things I wanted to ask you is how big of an issue do you think sexual assault is in East Texas? I think... I think it would be one of these things where people probably either just aren't really aware that it goes on around here or they don't want to know even. Yeah. Uh, what is your take on that? Um, it's a big issue in East Texas, just like it is anywhere else. Um, because we're so rural, like you said, like some people don't want to realize that it's going on. Like it can't happen uh, in our community. Yeah, like we're so we're so small. Like it wouldn't happen yeah. here, and right. it goes on a lot more than people are realizing. Sure. Um, I know. I looked up like Title Nine at SFA, for example. Uh, their Title Nine report in 2021, they received 696 reports. And that's just at, on the SFA campus. Just SFA campus. That's not even in like the rest of Nacogdoches. Okay. So it's going on here, and either people aren't aware, they don't know resources, um, or they're just not wanting to see it. Right. So at the Family Crisis Center, I don't know if you can speak for the whole crisis center or maybe just what you do, but but how many cases do we see? I don't know if I, if I should ask you annual, annually or, or, or what, but I guess just a ballpark, however you want to phrase it, um, how many people are we looking at each year that come through our offices seeking our services? Um, so the last report that we got from last year, we served a little bit under 1,300 um, people. And about 10% of those were uh, solely sexual assaults. That's not including, like, dual clients. Sure. Um, But those are sexual assaults only. So last year we got about 130 sexual assault cases. Okay. All right. Um, Is there a specific profile survivors match? I I guess what I'm asking is, is there a... When you see a sexual assault survivor, do they fit a typical, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not description, but a out. You know what I'm saying? An mm-hmm. outline or or whatever. Is there a commonality? I guess that they have. No, um, most of them are all different. Some yeah. of them, uh, most are by uh, people that they know. Some are family members. Um, some are acquaintances. Um, every now and then, there'll be a stranger. Um, sexual assault, but some of them can like try to push it down and forget about it. Some of them want to tell their story to the yeah. world. Um, there's not one specific mold that like a sexual assault uh, survivor has. Well, and it's interesting that you say that because the next point I was really wanting to bring up is maybe some myths or misconceptions about sexual assault. And I think probably one of the biggest ones 
is going to be that sexual assaults are committed by someone the victim doesn't know. You know, I think mm-hmm. the way it's portrayed a lot of times in the movies or on TV or in the media, it's always that stranger lurking in the shadows. But we really don't see it that happen that often, right? Yeah, only about 20% of sexual assaults are from strangers. Um, I know the recent statistic is 80% of sexual assaults occur by someone that they know. Okay. So that can either be family members. Um, we do see a lot of family members. We do see, like, uh, friends, um, people that they've met before, whether they knew them mm. well or not, they still know who they are. Right. Um, yeah, it's typically not done by a stranger. Yeah. Is there any other myths or misconceptions that people may think about sexual assault that just isn't that true? Um, I think a big one is that still, even nowadays, that men can't be sexually assaulted. Um, they very much can. It can be, it can happen to anyone. Um, there's just a big stigma around men being sexually assaulted. And um, I think one of the things that we try to do here a lot is make sure everyone feels comfortable with us. Um, And then I think another myth is that someone who has been sexually assaulted will be like really hysterical and about what just happened. And some of them, like some shut down, um, some say it all, um, some are, I mean, Everyone has a, rea- a different yeah. trauma response. You know, it's interesting what you said. I'm kind of go back, going back a little bit to male victims. Probably it happens more often than even what the statistics say because probably a lot of men uh, or uh, incidents where, where, where men are, are survivors of sexual assault, those don't even get reported mm-hmm. just due to embarrassment mm-hmm. or again you know a, a male not wanting to admit that something may have happened mm-hmm. like that right yeah um i think because a lot of especially social media and like news there's a lot of shame um towards like males being sexually assaulted and so they're scared of that and then some of them could be scared like they're not going to be perceived as a man mm-hmm. from now on sure um i know some I believe it was like one in six boys will be sexually assaulted before they're 18. Um, And so when they grow up, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to do anything because they're raised as you're a man. Like, Mm -hmm. like this doesn't affect you. This only affects women. Sure. When that's just far from the truth. Right. Uh, How does uh, the family crisis center work with victims? What approach do we take, I guess, or, I don't know if, if it'd be better to walk us through uh, someone who's seeking services and the steps that they and, and the procedures that they go through. I would say like we take like a gentle approach, but also an empowerment at the same time, um, because you can't force someone to come forward and you can't force someone to receive help. They have to come um, receive it as at their own pace. So I know whenever I'm doing an intake with a client, um, I don't try to ask what happened. I just try to let them tell me as much as they're comfortable telling me. And after a few meetings, then I'll start getting the full story. I'll know the full story because of like police reports and that kind of thing, but I won't hear it from them until like the second or third visit till they get comfortable with me, um, which is fine. 
and I kind of just let them lead and then sometimes they don't know like what they need help with and then like as an advocate you can make suggestions like what do you want to try this I usually recommend counseling not everybody wants counseling um, but like these are all the services what if we tried this and this and this why do you think some uh, survivors wouldn't want to go through counseling. Is it the rehashing of the events that have happened or the stigma that counseling has mm -hmm. in itself? What do you think? Um, it could be both of those. I know counseling, it can be really hard because you're reliving what happened and you're having to talk about it and you're having to go through that. And some people, they're not ready for that. Yeah. Um, and counseling is the same way as seeking help. They have to be ready for that. Right. Um, and I know some clients, they'll go to counseling for one or two sessions, and then they won't go back to counseling because they weren't ready for it. Yeah. Um, I'll always recommend it. That's just me. Um, but they have to be ready for it sure. at the end of the day because it can be a very, like, mentally draining process. Yeah. And then some are just not ready to acknowledge that it happened. Right. And so, and counseling, that's one of the first things you have to acknowledge that it happened. Yeah. And so they're not ready to do that. Let's talk a little bit about the other agencies we work with. I know we always kind of, well, sometimes we'll mention about our community partners. A lot of the things that we do isn't just us. Mm -hmm. I know there's some other agencies out there in the area that we kind of collaborate with and work with sometimes. I know we work a lot with Harold's House. Um, they're the Child Advocacy Center. Um, they are also where our SANE suites are because we try to stay out of the hospitals as much as possible. Obviously, if someone needs medical attention sure. and that kind of thing, they'll go to the hospital. But um, to do like a SANE exam. Um, Just real quick, you, for those who don't know, a SANE exam, what is that? So a SANE stands for Sexual Assault Nurse Examiner. Okay. Um, it's kind of like on the TV, what you call like a rape kit. Um, it's a forensic evidence. Okay. Um, now they do collect evidence in a SANE exam, but the biggest thing about a SANE exam is to make sure that that person is okay and they don't have any injuries that they need to seek medical help for. And they can also get other resources that they might need dealing with a sexual assault, um, from the SANE nurse, um. But that's what a SANE exam is, and those are where our suites are because it's a lot more personal and calm because in an ER, there's alarms going off all the time, yeah. people are running around, and it's already overwhelming for that person. And so these suites just keep it much more personal. Um, so that's Harold's House. We work a lot with them. Um, then we also work with, like, local law enforcement. Um the victim's coordinator in the county and district attorney's office. Um, yeah, we work. Okay, mm -hmm. sure. Um, what are the steps someone should take if, if a sexual assault happens in their life, in, in them? What, what should someone do? What's, what's, what would you recommend they do? How would they handle that? Um, I'd say the first thing is to seek medical help. Um, whether that's going to a hospital or fo following up with like a care physician or something like that. Okay. Um, obviously, like here, we want them to have a SANE exam and we want them to come here. Um, sometimes they don't know about us. 
So, but the first thing I would say is to seek medical care and make sure that they're okay. Yeah. Um, and then afterward, I would say find someone that they trust and just like open up to them about it and kind of like see what that person has to say um, because bottling it up has not worked. <laughs> it, okay. It doesn't work. Um, I know some clients will come in years later and they tried to push it down, but it, it always kept coming back up. Yeah because they never dealt with it. Right. So um, I would seek some sort of resource. What if it happens to a friend or a family member? You're not the survivor, mm -hmm. but the survivor is a friend or a family member. What role can you take then to help them out? If a friend tells you that you were sexually assaulted, the biggest thing would be to listen to them and to validate them um, because a lot of times you're the first person that they're telling this to and based off your reaction is whether they might choose to come forward or just forget about it right so if you tell them that are you sure it happened then they're gonna get scared off right and they're gonna think well maybe it didn't i don't need to go forward but if you listen to them and you validate them and you um what am I looking for? Like try to like tell them to reach out to someone uh -huh. who knows about this stuff. They're going to be more willing because you're someone that they trust. Okay. okay. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about something that you have um, been in charge of now for a year, maybe the sexual assault advocate training program mm -hmm. here. And I think it's really interesting to know that, uh, if somebody has a heart for helping others, uh, helping others who have gone through a sexual assault, you don't have to be a quote unquote professional. Mm -hmm. uh, anybody can help and, it, and they can kind of get the training they need through this sexual assault advocacy program. Um, what is that exactly? So it is a six week course. Um, it happens once a week. Um, there are four three-hour sessions, and then there are two eight-hour sessions. And through that, you'll learn from local law enforcement. You'll learn um, from mental health professionals, um, the legal side of a sexual assault, um, from other advocates. But you'll hear from people that deal with this every single day, and that's yeah. their full-time job. Um, and... At the end of it, you'll know how to be there for someone like during a SANE exam. So on those exams, um, an advocate is there with them. Okay. And you're just there to support them and to get whatever they might need. And so they'll have enough knowledge to um, be there for that person no matter what response that person is having. So they'll learn about all the different responses a person might have to a sexual assault and um, how to kind of go with the flow sure. per se. Can anybody enroll in, is, are there any restrictions on who can't or can uh, take part in the sexual assault advocate training? Um, it is open to the public. The only thing that uh, someone would need to do is they get a background check done to make sure they don't have any like criminal charges of sexual assault or anything okay. um, that we deal with at that agency because 
they obviously for reasons right. they can't they wouldn't be able to do that here um but if you can pass a background check you can take that class okay excellent mallory thanks a lot i appreciate your time mm -hmm. uh, uh mallory dodson she's our um uh tell us what you do again mallory what's your title one more time before we go <laughs> so my official title is the sexual assault services coordinator okay but you're also you're officed once a week at on the sfa campus right yes okay. um it's located in the hub the health clinic with the within the counseling okay. department all right thanks again mallory i appreciate it april sexual assault awareness month if you feel like you need our services, uh, the Family Crisis Center services, I always like to remind everyone before we go, we do have a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week hotline. That number is 1-800-828-7233. Be sure to, to subscribe to Conversations and Connections. Uh, you can do that via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much any podcast service of your choice. Remember, as always, be the voice, if not for you, for someone else.